through the worship experience thus far. We are Victory Church of Charlottesville, where we exist to see people reconcile to God and each other. And we are about a month in of having weekly services. Hey, isn't that awesome? Uh, And I couldn't be more grateful for the team of volunteers who have embraced the privilege of being inconvenienced (laughs) to serve as unto the Lord in a variety of ways. Make no mistake about it, church planting is hard work. Um, And we have you, the best um, in church planting that I have seen And I'm thankful to the Lord for a lot of reasons, one of which is, though, you don't confuse the hard work that you put in on Saturday nights when people are sleeping and early Sunday morning when people are still sleeping and throughout the week when the emails are flying. You don't confuse that hard work with the heart work that only God can do. So we work hard. There's no question about it because it takes that. Uh, But it's really just to, to remove the distractions so that Jesus can do what only he can in all of our hearts. Uh, And for that, I am grateful. And to that end, invite you, if you're not already serving with one of our teams, whether it's the Victory Kids, where they are discipling uh, our children. We don't call it child care, though they are caring for our children, but literally spiritual formation is happening there. If it's our ushers, if it's the worship and song uh, team, where as long as you're not singing the key of Z, you can serve (laughs) there. Uh, Whether it's our prayer team who right now they're taking uh, a day to just out of the week to pray for you, our community, um, and they're fasting on that particular day in some respective area. If it's our communications team who's keeping people informed through social media, and as I like to say, preaching the gospel on a platform that's going to reach a lot more uh, than what we can do here alone on Sunday morning. Um, Our sound and AV team to ensure that you can hear me and there's not a whole lot of ringing going on. Um, who did I miss out? Our Victory Teens, as we reach the community's teens in our neighborhood and your neighborhoods in the Charlottesville, much broader area, uh, and Victory on Grounds. Any UVA students in the house, right? We want to see some people at UVA who are going to be policymakers someday and shaping a lot of institutional, um, structural arrangements, one for Jesus. All of those and more, if we don't have your voice and part of the body as a part of those serving opportunities, we invite you. Um, And now's a really neat opportunity. You know why? Every day is a really neat opportunity. So I could say that any day of the week, but we are transitioning from this base physical location to Walker Upper Elementary School next Sunday. We can thank God for that as well. Um, Lots of reasons to be thankful to God for that, one of which, and really this is in no order of importance or preference, but I'm excited that you are going to get to meet the first service because we're going to have one service again um, at 10.30 a.m. We started out that way with our preview services in the fall and realized very quickly that we couldn't have you all in one service, nor could we have a place for you to park. Our team has been parking on Cherry Avenue so that you could find a space in here. So we're excited Um, For that reason, among many others, the staff there has been amazing, the administration, the teachers, um, and just what we're excited about transitioning there. So if you want to be a part of ensuring that there is a distraction-free environment for people to encounter Jesus, and as we like to say, to see what God will do through you, so much more than the stage being built happens in those moments of serving. So much more, right, than setting up. uh, It's important. All of the tasks are critical, but so much more happens in those spaces that I believe will also be a blessing to you. 
Um, as Will said, if the animals went out two by two, why not us um, in terms of working alongside others? So we invite you into that, into that space as well. Uh, if you've been with us, you know that over the last few weeks, we have been in a series called Victorious Living. Um, the name of our church is Victory Church, so we thought, what better place to start than what victory we have in Jesus? And so we started out on January 6th, uh, talking about Galatians 2, verses 18 through 20, which speaks to, or at least in that um, particular sermon, we emphasized how God has already handled for us the victory that we seek. And victorious living then is faith-filled living, not in the customs or the practices or the rites or the different things, check boxes that we might try to put in place, though those are all well-meaning and good. They're not sufficient. And then the following week, we were snowed out and so we tried to uh, come back on the back end last week and talked out of the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, and talking about how we can live on every word. Jesus said in that text, it is written, man will not live by bread alone, but on every word. Um, and we talked about how when living on every word, we can then answer well the circumstances that life brings our way. Um, and so today, we're going to continue in that vain. Uh, by no means are we finishing the series, though next week, being a new month, we will start a new one called Reconciled to God, which is part of the vision statement of victory, again, meaning to see people reconciled to God and each other. Uh, but we will, in some ways, maybe try to cap uh, this series today, and, and knowing me, there'll be some overlap to next week and throughout the year, because who doesn't want to live in victory? And I think that is what our faith is all about. Uh, but next week, we'll more formally start the new series. So with that, I would love if you would read the Bible with me this morning. Can you do that? Uh, you can read it on the screen, or you can turn in your smartphones, or if you still have the hard copy, please pull that out, which I'm doing more and more these days, because when I'm reading on my phone, which I love, it's like I can't, there's a text that pops up, Facebook post, and I'm like, man, I might just go back to my straight up paper. Um, but nobody texts me when I'm in service. I'm good with the iPad right now. That's not true, actually. All right, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 is where we are. Um, and today is somewhat of a, it all, God's word all goes together, but it's kind of a sequel of sort to the first sermon in the series where we talked about victorious living being uh, faith-filled living. But Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30 are the verses that we'll focus on and really emphasize verse 28. Um, but before we read, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity that we get to study your word Thank you for everyone who's gathered here today who made the conscious choice to get up and come to corporately serve and worship you. Um, and I pray that together we would see, as your word says in Psalm 119 and 18, all that is in your law. Unless you open it up for us, we can't see, hear, or understand well. Um, and certainly, God, it can't drop the 18 inches or so from our head to our heart unless you intervene and soften our hearts. So I pray in this moment you do just that and that you speak uh, using me as a mouthpiece, but ultimately your voice coming through your scripture to each and every one of us where we are, what we need to hear so that we can walk more uprightly tomorrow than we did today and the next day than we did the day prior. We all want to take the next step of obedience, whatever that looks like, and we can only do that with instruction from your word. So help us this morning as we read and study and share. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Matthew chapter 11, uh, verses 28 through 30. Chapter 11, 28 through 30. It says, come to me, I'm reading from the NIV, come to me all you who are weary and burdened 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, The title of the message today is Rest Well. Rest, rest well, rest well, rest well. Um, There's a friend of ours, a friend of mine, now a friend of ours, uh, who pastors a church in Boston. His name is Adam Mabry. Uh, He pastors a church named Aletheia, um, who was a part of the Every Nation Family of Churches, of which we are part, and they happen to have been one of the churches when we just got to know him, who said, we're going to bless Victory Church, and they did so um, and helped tremendously in what we were able to do in terms of a, a church plan. He just wrote a book called The Art of Rest, Faith to Hit Pause in a World that Never Stops. Sure, none of you can identify with that, um, but for me and other people, it's been a blessing. About three pages into the book, Adam says, I don't do rest, I do do. (laughs) And that's, I think, if we're honest, where all of us can find ourselves in this space called westernized society, America, the There's never enough time in the week to get done what you get done. If you're like me, you break down the 168 hours and you're like, I need to sleep this much. I need to go to the gym this much. I need to, no, okay, I did that. I need to sleep this much. I need to go to the gym this much. My wife and I have to have the date nights. We have to have time as a family. And then whatever's left over, God, help me to do what you call me to do here and at UVA with the time left, and I'm going to trust you with it. And how many know we're always like there could be more time? The art of rest. I do do, he says. And my sense is all of us could probably find somewhere in there where we could be more sharpened. Now today, we're not necessarily going to focus on how we might manage our time more wisely, though that is a worthwhile discussion. And even as preparing this, I thought maybe next week we'll do Exodus 20. Um, I'm not sure where the fourth uh, commandment that is given uh, is to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy and maybe unpack that a little bit. At some point we will, if not next Sunday. But today, not so much will the focus be that as much as it'll be us focusing on two things, somewhat simple yet profound in terms of impact on our lived reality, and that is one who is invited to rest and to whose terms, on whose terms such rest happens. Who's invited and on whose term does that happen? Um, Because the text that we read this morning communicates that victorious living is restful living. Victorious living is restful living. Some backdrop, and for those of you who heard this last week or have just studied the book of Matthew may already know, the book of Matthew is one of the four Gospels in the New Testament. 27 books in the New Testament, 39 in the Old. Matthew kicks off the New Testament saying, as Mark, Luke, and John all do, but from unique perspectives, the impact, the life of Jesus, and what he came to accomplish. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those three actually are called the synoptic Gospels in that They are viewed together, seen together. John, uh, more of a theological, sort of the identity of Christ perspective and sidebar. If you're new to Jesus and you're wondering where to start, you can start anywhere, but John probably would be a really neat place to start because of how he opens up uh, the identity uh, and the life of Jesus Christ. But Matthew's gospel here shows Jesus as the promised Messiah whose death brought salvation from sins. He writes that Jesus' birth, life, and death on the cross fulfilled the promises of the Old Testament. And no doubt the audience was certainly 
Jews and, and Gentiles, but if you read through the Gospels, remember I talked about how from a unique perspective, each of the Gospels are shared or tell the story of Jesus. Matthew, can tell, is speaking a bit more through this Jewish lens in terms of the kinds of language that he uses. And leading up to the text that we read today, Jesus had just finished instructing his 12 disciples, sent them on, and then John, this is about early in the 11th chapter, John the Baptist, his disciples then came uh, on John the Baptist's behalf to ask Jesus some questions, which kind of a sidebar that I'll park for a minute because John the Baptist, he who prepared the way for Jesus, was now in prison because he told the truth to King Herod that he can't sleep with his brother's wife, which if we park there, I would say how many of us can have the courage of Jesus to say what needs to be said in spite of what the consequences might be. But nonetheless, John the Baptist is in prison. He sends some disciples of his to Jesus to ask Jesus some questions about who he is. And there's a lot of conversation about why he did that. Suffice it to say, Jesus says a couple of things, one of which was, um, who do you think did X, and did you see when I did X? Did you see when I did such and such and such? And so he tells John's the disciples that they go on. And then he did something else, which again isn't the focus. So give me 30 minute, 30 minute, 30 second grace on this one to share a quick sidebar. But he does something that struck me as, as I was reading and preparing for today. He, he, after they came to question him, and then they left him, spoke highly of the person who sent them to ask those questions. Digressing a little, but somewhat tangential, but, but important nonetheless, because I thought, God, how often am I questioned in some way, shape, or form? And when that person rolls out, I'm like, Ray, you wouldn't believe what this fool just asked me. <laughs> Can you believe that they, and Jesus doesn't do any of that. They're coming questioning him about who he is and what he's done, and he calmly says what he needs to say to them, but then when he leaves, he says, John, that dude is no joke. He's the real deal. He came to prepare the way for me. Sidebar that maybe you can use or maybe it was just me. But he moves on from them to then start preaching in the cities in Galilee, that northern region of Israel. Moving on, he then kind of almost somewhat abruptly in verses 25 and 26 begins to pray and then returns to talking to the crowd that had now gathered in verse 27 and talking about the relationship between the father and the son. And then... Verse 28, and continuing to talk to them, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, you who labor, depending on the version that you're reading, and I'm going to give you rest. He invites those who are tired, who are worn out, maybe even burned out, to come to him. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Victorious living is restful living. And to help us do that well, to help us experience the victory, myself included, through restful living, I want to focus and park, if you will, in two different areas today. One of which is an emphasis on a call to action, and then the second, in some ways, is a condition of that action. There's a call to action and a condition of that action. The first is to stop boxing out, and I'll talk about that in a moment. <laughs> And the second is, again, the condition, if you will, of said action is on his terms, on his terms. Uh, so stop boxing out. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, come to me, what comes after that? All, all who are weary, all who labor, all who are heavy laden, every single one of us gets that invitation, the evite 
the card, the whatever way you like to get those invitations, Jesus is saying every single one of you come. Revelation 22 and 17 says it this way, whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Um, I'm looking out into the audience, and some of y'all know a little bit of my basketball talent. Some of you don't, so I might be able to embellish a little bit um, in looking out here. I can tell some stories. But uh, for those who have, you know the talent that I possess on the court. Um, It's not good. But I love the game of basketball. I truly do, and I play as often as I can. In fact, a few weeks ago, I played, and my body now is still recovering from it a few weeks later. But I learned something in the last time that I played. As you get older, you try to figure out, how do I adjust my game so I can keep playing this thing for a long time? And I was playing, and one (laughs) of I got a, a... a guy pinned behind me, I was boxing out, which is what you do in basketball when you want to get a rebound, and I didn't even have to jump or do anything, really, because, one, I don't want to because my joints <laughs> can't take it like they used to, but when you box out really well, those who coach basketball and know, you don't even need to. Dennis Rodman wasn't the tallest. He boxed out, and the ball would just kind of drop there in front of him, so I had one of those moments, and when it happened, one of the guys who happens to work here, actually, um, the, the club manager here, he said, nice box out, P. Yeah, you know, and, I, and in a moment, I kind of, I said, this is it. <laughs> this is how I'm going to contribute <laughs> to the teams moving forward as I play this game. You know, high school, it was go ahead and light it up, P, shoot it, let it fly, don't worry. College, it was create a little bit, pass. Now it's nice box out. Good job. <laughs> and I said, wow, okay, God, thank you for that practical sort of re- revelation for how I can contribute on the court. But then I thought, Lord, How often do we perfect that skill in life? It might be cousin so-and-so or uncle so-and-so or auntie so-and-so or going down Main Street or riding up Forest Hills or going down Water Street. You name where you traverse in this space called Charlottesville that we unconsciously, maybe even consciously say, I know I got an invitation, but not them. She's out there. He wild. It's been how many decades they've been at it? Oh, it's, it's kind of done for them. They, they're too set in their way. Certainly they couldn't have this invitation, but yet this invitation was to all of us. Come, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Some commentators suggest here that the Jews, particularly those who groaned on the ceremonial laws, are the audience being referenced here. And I do think there's certainly room for that space. And we talked in weeks past, so I won't spend a lot here, about the inadequacy of customs and practices, although well-meaning, to suffice for our salvation. And that those who labor to establish their own righteousness labor in vain. Acts 15 and 10, for example, says uh, Peter's talking and addressing the council who was trying to decide whether or not circumcision ought to be a part of salvation. He says, quote, now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? And we sometimes, in this particular vein, can also do the same thing to others and to us when God is saying on that front too, come to me, embrace my system of religion, be free of these burdensome rites and ceremonies. There's relief. However we've boxed others out, maybe too we boxed ourselves out. It could be excessive guilt or terror or shame due to the transgressions that we may have committed. And the Bible says all of us have fallen short, so I know I've got everybody in the room captured in that. But maybe for you, it goes to the point of saying, certainly I'm not reconcilable 
The work he did on the cross can't meet me. Do you know what I really did? Do you know, even beyond what I've done, maybe it's what was done to you inappropriately so. Maybe it was who was taken from you early in life or what was taken from you early in life that now you're like, I'm damaged goods, or at least the enemy tries to convince you of that. I'm damaged. How in the world could I, though I know the word maybe, but not quite really resting in the word, how could I be reconciled? God said, there's relief for you too. Come, come. Romans 8 and 1 says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's waiting for us to repent and turn to him if it's something we've done, and he's waiting for us to invite him into the spaces perhaps we had no control over that convince us that we are, like I said, damaged goods and we are irreconcilable. Come to me, all who are weary, heavy laden. First Peter 2 and 9 says, if that is you, just on that point that I was just addressing, he says, you're a royal priesthood, a chosen nation. Ephesians 2.10, I believe, says you're his workmanship, you're his handiwork created to do good deeds. Come. Come to me. Which implies when he says come to him that it's what? It's on his terms, which is the second and final point. On his terms. Um, Some of you know I'm a counselor by training, an educator by training, and I started my career in Newport News, Virginia as a high school counselor, and then I went on from there and did graduate work in Maryland, never in a million years thinking that I would show up in academia teaching some of y'all that are out here right now. Never was my thought or my plan whatsoever. I was going to be a counselor, I was going to go into administration, then maybe central administration, and I was going to find rest, financially particularly, once I got up that ladder. Professionally, there was going to be some kind of rest, if you will. And Everything was going according to plan until it wasn't. (laughs) Sweet deal came. I said, you got to be kidding me. This popular high school in Northern Virginia got a lot of acclaim, even a movie made about it, uh, offered the job. We said, yes, I'm getting news clippings from colleagues saying, Paul, this is great. Director of school counseling. Like, what else do you want? A salary and education that you won't find in most places. You stay there and navigate well. You can go where you need to go. Got a little swanky apartment right outside D.C., remember that? Nice, resting, until I realized I hated my job. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, God, was this on your terms? Or my, like, how did this happen? And then health started to fail, and then uh, the blessing of being pregnant, and along with the blessing, Taylor was getting sick uh, in the morning, and then in the afternoon, <laughs> and then at night, and then after the first trimester, and after the second trimester for all 40 weeks, in that swanky apartment where we were over this little restaurant down and uh, real nice that we thought, oh, great, we can go down. All the fumes then all of a sudden didn't seem so nice to us because Taylor was sick morning, noon, and night, and the fumes didn't help. There's no rest. Fast forward, skip a lot of the details to stay to the point of what the text is communicating to us today. I'm in a job, my old job, because I decided that's not That was on my terms. Get out of that. Come on back to my old job where I literally made half the amount. (laughs) We had a baby. Taylor wasn't working. That doesn't sound anything like rest, does it? The most rest we've ever had. I said, I hear you, God. And of course, fast forward another, have a time another day to tell the rest of the testimony of how we landed 
here, but I realize even in the last 10 years, life not being without challenge, kids have health challenges, we've had health challenges, lots have gone on, but rest on his terms has been sweeter than any rest than any terms I could have ever, we could have ever put together. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Victorious living is restful living, but it's got to be on his terms. Romans 12 and 2 says what? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And if we are honest, there may be times if you pick up the word of God where you're reading and you're like, oh, that's real good. Yeah, pin that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then you get to another one, you're like, eh, not so much. (laughs) I'm good. Like, doesn't apply to me in these days. Or whatever it is that you might say. And God said, no, be transformed. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. He gives that rest. Learn of him. Take on his yoke. Submit to his authority. Live on every word as we discussed last week. And he will be the one that gives the rest. And the truth is we can all come to him every single day for deliverance from wrath, from guilt, from sin and Satan, from all of our cares, our fears, and our sorrows, which I imagine now you're asking, how does that happen? How do we come? To which I'd say, thank you for asking. I appreciate that. Um, I want to leave or close with an acronym that I think is a little cheesy, but it'll stick. Here's mom. Here's mom. H-E-R-E-S-M-O-M except if you can picture the bolded consonants, that's all that's in the acronym, H-R-S-M-M. How do we come? We come through his word. We hear his word. It's the five ways the word becomes a part of us. We hear the word. This moment is great. Throughout the week, you find your favorite podcast, whoever he or she might be. If it's this, great. If not, get the word in you. Hear it and then read every single day. Psalm 1 speaks to that. Joshua 1 speaks to that. It's pretty clear through the general tenor of scripture that when we meditate on his law day and night there's success so we read his word we study his word just this past week i've been meeting with all of our coordinators of all the teams and we've been going over john 21 for example 15 through 17 where jesus is saying to peter do you love me peter if anybody knows that text and he asked him three times and peter answers studying the word might be like well what does jesus mean when he says love and then you see in the original greek language And it's not by the Greek of God that we're saved. It's by the grace of God. But Greek helps sometimes to understand what English language can't capture today. You see Jesus in that love, he's saying, I got payo love. Do you unconditionally love me? And then you see Peter responding in a phileo love. Like Jesus is like, do you unconditionally love me more than these, your fishing tools and your occupation? And he's like, yeah, bro, phileo, I love you. He says, no, no, no. Do you love me? So we study the word is the point, right? We get into it. We dig deep. We do word studies. We figure out who's talking and to whom and when and why. And then the relevance to who we are today. We study the word. H-R-S, where am I? M, we memorize the word. So that, like Jesus last week, when we talked about Matthew 4, 1 through 4, had an it, it is written on his heart. You too, when craziness starts coming your way in life, You can have it, it is written, because it's in your heart. And if you need a head start, every week we send out newsletters. Thank you, communications team. And on the bottom of that newsletter, there are three or four verses that we are committing to memorize as a congregation. Right now, the theme is repentance. Help me out, y'all who have been memorizing Luke 3 and 13, or 13 and 3, 3 and 13. 13 and 3, yeah. Acts 26 and 20, Acts 3 and 19, and there's one more. 
8 and 22, Acts 8 and 22. You can go there now and just see, okay, I don't know where to start. Start there with repentance, memorizing the Word of God. And lastly, the last M is meditating on the Word of God, taking a, a verse or maybe two. One of my favorites is Psalm 27 and 1 where David says, Lord, there's one thing that I desire that I'm going to seek after, to dwell in your presence. And I might just take that one day and just sit on that and say, God, will you meet me here? That's the desire that I have. For you, it could be Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. God, help me. Let me just sit in that and meditate on that for a minute. Hear, read, study, memorize, and meditate on the word of God. And in such, we come to him and find rest in and through him. I can't imagine the message translation of the Bible. I read the NIV this morning. Uh, but the message translation of the Bible talks about the unforced rhythms of grace. When I read that, I thought, imagine if we learned the unforced rhythms of grace. What would that even, I need to be transformed for that to happen, right? Because it's so easy to fall prey to the conforming to the world. But that is where I'd want to leave us today with imagining in our own lives, in our community's lives, in our family's lives, what that rest might do for the transformation of us individually and our communities. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. I thank you for giving us the opportunity to study your word. And I'm in awe of how you allow us to participate, as the Lord's Prayer says, in your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And I know we know that we can only do that in and through your word. So today we come. We come to you afresh seeking your rest. Your rest might be more sleep tonight, Lord. <laughs> or it could be emotional rest or psychological, mental, spiritual rest that on our own we cannot accomplish. Whatever those areas are, God, we bring them to you. We come to you with that weariness, that heaviness, whatever it looks like, however it manifests in our lives. We ask for your capacity to displace ours because ours is not good enough. And with your eyes closed and heads bowed, we want to also, just in view of this text and who, without a doubt, this message is for, invite those who have yet to say to Jesus, yes, I want you to be in my life. Yes, I want to find my rest in you. If that's something you've never said, now is an opportunity for you to do just that. For you to begin again life, being born again. The best decision, and there is never a bad day to make a great decision, and this is the greatest you'll ever make. So if you're here, we won't ask you to come forward, but we will ask that you raise your hand so that we can acknowledge and pray with and for you regarding next steps in this process we call sanctification. If that is you, we ask that you would raise your hand at this moment so we can pray with and for you as everyone's eyes are closed and heads are bowed. If you want to say yes to Jesus today. For us here who know who he is, I won't ask to raise your hand because I suspect each one of us could do both hands in the air 
in some way, shape, or form so we can raise the hands on the altars of our heart as I talk to God on our behalf for those areas of our lives that perhaps we have been resistant to unconsciously, subconsciously, maybe consciously so, to God coming in and giving us the rest that we need. Maybe it's an area where our faith doesn't extend quite as far as it does in some other areas because we think God can't reach there. His arms are too short. Maybe it's somebody in our sphere of influence that we've discounted, not explicitly, but behaviorally, absolutely. That God, you would open up our eyes to see with your perspective those that we encounter on a daily basis and interface with daily in our workplace, in our home, in our church, on the street. Help us, God, to see as you see and to be the conduits through whom others can be invited to you to experience the rest that only you could give. May we, as your workmanship, do good deeds such that you are seen in those good deeds, your word says. I thank you in advance for a renewed perspective and commitment this week to finding our rest in you and to being used by you to invite others into the same rest. The peace that passes all understanding, the joy that's unspeakable, the deliverance, the restoration that only through an almighty God who's conquered death and the grave could provide. That we are grateful in advance for and in awe that you put breath in our bodies every day to live more uprightly the next day than we did the day prior, to take that next step of obedience. We are in awe. Who are we that you're mindful of us, but you are? Thank you, Jesus. We honor you and we love you. We reverence you. Hallowed be your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, I would love to 